You're listening to a message brought to you by Christian Life Church Ross on Y. To find out more about us, go to www.clch.cc. Good morning, everybody. It's uh, been a long time since I've stood in this building, and it's uh, quite strange to be back, but it's so good to see lots of people filling the seats. It really is. Um, just one thing that Andrew was talking about praying for people in the persecuted countries. Um, Although we're not in a persecuted country, we're in a country that lacks. And I don't think people over here realize just how much they have. You know, the things we should be thanking God every day for what we have, a roof over our head, clothes on our back, food on the table. You know, we are so blessed. We really are. Um, and, I mean, we see it in Uganda, you know, the people that don't have. And, you know, even for ourselves, you know, we, we've been living out there now for 10 years. And we had um, no running water until last year. We relied on the... We relied, sorry, it sounds so loud. Uh, we relied on the rain catching in the gutters and then down into the water tank. Um, we rely on solar for power. We don't have any mains power. And, uh, you know, so, and, and we only had those two years ago. I only had a flushing toilet two years ago. So for eight years, I lived with the hole in the ground. Um, but, that was what God had called us to, and so God enabled us to survive and not to feel deprived in any way. But it was great when I got my flushing toilet, I have to admit. <laughs> uh, so uh, God is good. And uh, oh. uh, God gave me a word at the beginning of the year. And it's really that word that I want to share because I think it's very relevant for the church at this time. Um, when I was just thinking, you know, what, what are you saying, God, for, for this year? What, what do you want us to concentrate on this year? And the words I got were, be prepared, be ready. Be prepared and be ready. And the scripture that he gave me to go with it was Matthew chapter 25. And that starts off. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like. Now, the kingdom of heaven is talking about the people of God. So this parable that Jesus was telling his disciples and the people that were listening and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he was talking about the people of God. And the people of God fall into two categories, according to this parable. There are some that are wise 
and some that are foolish. And I think it's something that we really need to think about. What does it mean to be wise? What does it mean to be foolish? The wise ones were prepared. They were ready. They'd got their lamps. They'd got oil in their lamps. And they'd got spare oil because they didn't know how long they were going to be there. Because they were waiting for the bridegroom. They knew the bridegroom was coming. We're waiting for the bridegroom. We know the bridegroom is coming. But when? We don't know. How long is it going to take? We don't know. So we need to be prepared. So the wise ones had got themselves in a place with God. They had been praying. They had been reading their Bibles. They'd been talking to God. They'd been looking at what he was saying to them. And they were ready in their hearts. But there were some in the church who were foolish. And they were not ready. They were not prepared. They had not got themselves in that place with God. They had sort of thought, well, when the time comes, I can just get myself ready. Um, but as we see from this parable, that is not true. That is not the case. Because it says the bridegroom was a long time in coming. He's still a long time in coming. We're still waiting for the bridegroom to come. And we don't know when he's coming. And they all fell, became drowsy and fell asleep. Is the church asleep? I think we look around at some of the things and maybe the church is drowsy. Maybe the church isn't doing all the church should be doing. And they fell asleep. But at midnight, the cry rang out, the bridegroom's coming, he's here, come and meet him. All the virgins, so all the people of God all woke up. And those that were wise had got their extra oil, so they were able to get their lamps sorted out and get ready to go and meet the bridegroom. And the foolish ones said, let's have some of your oil. And they said, well, no, because if we give you some of our oil, we'll not have enough. We have to make sure that for each one of us, you can't live off somebody else's faith. You can't live off what somebody else is doing in the kingdom. You have to have your own work with God. And so these foolish ones had to go and buy some more oil. And off they went. Because the, the wise one said, there may not be enough for both of us. So you go and get some for yourselves. And so while they went off to do that, the bridegroom came. And everybody was thrilled and everybody was delighted. And the, it says here in verse 10, uh, while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. There is going to come a point in time where God shuts the door. Just like he did on the ark when Mo, uh, Noah and all the animals were inside before the, the rain came, God shut the door. And it was only at the end of the flood when the water had gone down and the ground became dry that God had opened the door. When they gathered for the wedding feast with the bridegroom, the door was shut. And so when the uh, the, the foolish virgins came. They said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. That to me is a terribly sad scripture, that there are people in the church to whom the Lord is going to say, I don't know you, and you're shut out. 
We have got to be a people who share the truth of the gospel, that we make sure that everybody that we know, particularly in the church, is fully understanding the scriptures. They're not just a Sunday Christian. You know, come on Sunday, sit, have a nice little sing, have a chat with their friends, have a nice cup of coffee, go home and live the rest of the week their way. God sees. Church pastor may not see, but God sees. He knows. And he's the one that has the power to open and shut the door. How are we making sure that the people that we have in the church, that we know that they are receiving all that they need to receive from the Lord and that they are following him and doing all the things that he has asked them to do. We need to be ready. We need to be prepared because it says in verse 13, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. We know he is coming back. Bible's made that quite clear. We know that in our spirits, we know that. They knew that all those years ago. They knew that. But Jesus hasn't come back yet. And we don't know when he's going to come. Could be next week. Could be 10 years' time. We have absolutely no idea, no, no milestone to be able to measure it against. So we have to remain being prepared, being ready, making sure that we are looking to the Lord, that we are spending time with him, that we are making sure that we are ready in our hearts so that when Jesus comes back, he will open his arms to us and welcome us in to the banqueting party. You know, only God knows the times, only God. And we have to be looking to him to see what he is saying. But being prepared and being ready, there are lots of examples in the Bible when the people of God had to be prepared or had to be ready. Thinking of the, um, in, in Exodus chapter 12, where they were preparing to leave Egypt. And God had given them some very specific instructions about their last meal, what they were to, to cook, how they were to cook it, how they were to dress, how they were to be ready. And the most important thing, that they had to put the blood from the lamb on the doorposts of their house. Because when the angel of death flew over, if he saw the blood, he would leave that household alone. If there was no blood, the firstborn of that family would die. We also are saved by the blood of the lamb. So it was very important that they did that and they learned that. And then when Joshua was taking the children of Israel at the end of the 40 years into the promised land when they were crossing the Jordan. He told them, get yourselves ready. In three days, we're going to cross. And then he said, watch as the priests carry the Ark of the Covenant. Keep your eyes on the Ark of the Covenant because you've not been this way before. You don't know the way. Now, the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. We have to be in tune with the presence of God. We have to see what God is doing so that we know where he wants us, what he wants us to do, so that we follow him. I mean, Jesus told his disciples lots of things and lots of things about the kingdom of God, but they, were off, they often didn't understand. 
I mean, three times in Matthew's gospel, he tells them that he's going to uh, suffer and that he's going to die, but he's going to come back to life again. But the disciples had no idea, didn't twig in there what, what, he, what he was really saying, didn't understand. And when Jesus was killed, I mean, they thought that was it, the end of everything, all that they'd hoped for, gone, because they hadn't been able to grasp hold of what God was saying. We need to be able to make sure we grasp hold of what Jesus is saying, what, you know, what he's saying to us, what he's saying to each one of us, what he's saying to us as a church, that we know that we are following his direction and that we are ready to go wherever he wants. There's a story in Acts chapter 8 about um, the disciple Philip, who when the persecution came, went to Samaria, which is not a place that most of the Jews really wanted to go. But obviously God had told him, so he went to Samaria. He preached the gospel. People got saved. Peter and John came and baptized them in the Holy Spirit. And then the, the angel spoke to um, to Philip and told him to go to a certain street and look for a chariot. So he did, and he found this chariot and this Ethiopian eunuch on his way back to Ethiopia. And he was reading from Isaiah, and he didn't really understand what he was reading. So Philip went up into the chariot with him and explained it all to him. So he was ready. He heard the voice of God, and he acted on it straight away. You know, do we do that when we hear the voice, the little voice from God? Do we immediately act upon it? Uh, you know, if you're in the market, maybe, or in the supermarket, and God whispers something about a person that you see, do you do it? I know sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Um, but, uh, you know, we need to be ready to hear God's voice and ready to act on it. So they, they saw some water in the, and the unit said, well, you know, why can't I be baptized? So they stopped, he was baptized, and immediately they came up out of the water. It says that Philip was whisked away by the Spirit and landed in a place called Azota. Now, what did, Pete, what did Philip do? Did he think, oh my goodness, what on earth has just happened? I need a coffee, I need to sit down, I don't think I can cope with this. But no, it says, he just started preaching the gospel. He was ready, he was always ready just to do what God was asking him to do. And so we thank God for that. You know, and, but we need to be like that, that we're always ready, listening to what God is saying so that we can do what he wants us to do. You know, Jesus, when he comes, he's going to come in power. He's going to come as a mighty, mighty king, as a roaring lion. You know, are we ready? If he came tomorrow, are we ready? Are we all sure that we're going to get into the wedding banquet? If you're not, then I suggest you have a little chat with God and get yourself sorted. But, you know, we want to make sure that everyone gets in, that no one is left out. But we've got to preach the whole truth and nothing but the truth. You know, we've got to act on God's prompting because God wants his glorious church. He's coming back for a glorious bride. It says so, without spot or wrinkle. Now, only he can do that because we've got plenty of spots and wrinkles. And only God can wipe all those out and bring us into his wonderful, wonderful presence. And that's what we're all waiting for. That's what we're all wanting. That's what life is about. It's preparing ourselves to be with him forever. Amen? So we need to, to wait on the Lord. We need to consult God. We need to make sure that the time that we spend with him 
that we listen to him, that we talk to him, that we read our Bibles regularly, that we, that we do all the things that God asks us to do. Sometimes they're hard. Um, you know, when we first went to Uganda, it was hard. Um, we had very little in the way of preacher comforts. Um, the bathing unit was down the end of the garden path. The uh, toilet block was down the end of the garden path. You know, it was, it was not an easy existence. We had little tiny kerosene stoves to cook on and just a little bit of veranda to cook with them. You know, there were, there were struggles. I'm not to saying that to complain because God gave us the grace to do it, to cope with it and it not to be a problem. But I'm just saying, you know, sometimes things aren't nice and comfortable, but we've got to listen to his voice. We've got to do what he asks us to do because he loves us. And he wants every one of us to be at that wedding banquet because he loves every single person. He loves all those foolish virgins. He loves them to bits, just like he loves the wise ones. And he wants them to know who he is. But from that parable, it looks like 50% of the church don't get in. Now, that should be a real wake-up call to all of us, that we can make sure that the people that we know are in the right place and are going to be in that banquet because we don't want anyone to be left out. God doesn't want anyone to be left out. It's his heart's desire that everyone comes to a saving knowledge of his wonderful love and grace. And that's what we've got to communicate with people, that God loves each one of us. You know, there is no one better than you. No one better than you, Lord, because you love each one of us in spite of all our spots and wrinkles and the things that we get wrong. God loves us with a with such a love that he, he, get, he died for us. He died for us because he loves us so much. And even people who don't know him, he died for them. He died for them too. He loves them too. And he wants to see everyone brought into that wonderful, wonderful banquet. So let's do our part in being prepared. Let's, and let's not leave it till the last minute. Let's not say, oh, I can do a bit next week. No. It's something that needs to be done every day. Every day we have to be in that place where we know we're ready. If he comes today, I'm okay. I'm ready. That we can all feel that. Amen. And then because today is Pentecost Sunday, I just had a look at the beginning of Acts where it talks about... Um, when Jesus was with his disciples after the resurrection. So Jesus has risen from the dead, and it says that, um, in verse 3, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, there's very little recorded in the Bible about those 40 days what he did, where he went, but we do know he spoke about the kingdom of God. He didn't speak about the church. He spoke about the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is important. 
the fact that we are all part of the kingdom of God and the people that meet in other church groups, they're all part of the kingdom of God. And that's what's important. We are one. We are one body, you know, with this robe of righteousness around the body of Christ. And they were, t they were together, and on one occasion, while they were eating, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. They had to wait. They had to listen to what Jesus was saying, and they had to wait. They had to be obedient to what he was saying. And then they gathered around him and said, Lord, are you going to restore Israel at this time? Because that's what they were always thinking. When he came in on the donkey on Palm Sunday, they all thought he's going to overthrow the, the Romans and you know, establish Israel again. So here they are. Oh, is this the time you're going to restore Israel again? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When the Holy Spirit comes on them, they will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on us, we receive power. And we receive the ability to be witnesses. We are called to be witnesses of God and his love and all that he has done. Having testimony is something out in Uganda. They do every church service. There's always a slot for testimonies. They are so encouraging when you hear what God is doing. And it, you know, it makes you have more, your faith level rises. And you think, yes, if he could do it for her, he can do it for me. He can do it in that situation. He can do it in my situation. And so let us continue to acknowledge God when he has done something amazing in our lives or even something really small in our lives because God works in us all the time. You know, but, and we just get so used to it almost that we forget to sort of give him the glory. Let's give God the glory for the things that he does because he wants us to be just where he wants us to be so that when he comes back, we will be in that feast with him. Now, Jesus had spoken to the disciples and told them what they were got to do. And then it says he was taken up from them and he went into heaven. And they all went back to Jerusalem. And they all went together and they were all the disciples and all the women and they were all together. And they were praying. They were still totally unsure of what was going to happen. Jesus they knew. The Father, they had quite a good inkling about, but the Holy Spirit, they had no idea. They'd never seen him before. They didn't know anything about him. What was he going to be like? So they were praying almost in a way that they didn't quite know how to pray because they didn't know what to expect. All they knew was that when he came, they'd have power to be witnesses. That was all Jesus had told them. And they were together. They were eating together, praying together, worshiping together, and waiting. They had no idea how long they were going to wait, but they were waiting. You know, we still don't know when he's coming back. We're still waiting, but we've got to be waiting in a positive, action-packed way, not in a passive way. We want to see what God is going to do. And then when the day came, they were totally surprised by it. 
because they heard a wind. They heard a rushing, mighty wind. They saw flames of fire. That's what they saw on each one, flames of fire. And they spoke in a new language. So they heard the wind, they saw the fire, and they spoke a new language. They spoke, and as Andrew said earlier, our words are powerful. What they spoke was powerful because people heard them speaking and they heard their own language and they heard what they were saying and they were drawn to them to listen to what Peter had to say. So they were blessed by God. When they received the Holy Spirit, they received power and authority and the ability to witness. When the Holy Spirit comes on us, we receive power. We receive authority. And we see, receive the power to be able to witness. So we, you know, n- never think of yourself as, oh, I can't say that to somebody. I can't do that. Oh, yes, you can. Because the power of the Holy Spirit will enable you. You know, you o- it overcomes all your fears. It overcomes all your inhibitions. Because God inside you is like Jesus inside you, the Holy Spirit inside you. And you just wait and say, God, give me the words. Give me what I got to say. And he does. And he doesn't disappoint. He is a good God. And he loves you and he loves us. And he wants us all to be there at his banqueting feast. So we know that when we come to Jesus, we know that we're going to receive from him. But we have to be ready. We have to be prepared. We have to wait on the Lord. And I think it's just so important in these days You know, we see things getting darker. We see things getting worse in the world. um, But we need to make sure that we are spreading the gospel here, that we are encouraging people to find out about Jesus, for the kingdom of God to grow, for the church to grow, for people's lives to be turned around. Let us wait on the Lord. Let us hear his voice. Let us see that tongues of fire. Let us speak those words that are going to bring life to people, that are going to bring a change in their circumstances, that we're going to see the mighty hand of God at work because God is a good God and God is a loving God and it's his desire that none should perish, even though many will, but that's not God's heart. God's heart is the one of love, always has been always will be, it won't change. So let's wait on him. Let's listen to his voice. Let's be ready. Let's be prepared for when he comes. So when he, when he meets us, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. and hours. But you guys, we're not going to speak for hours. We could do the presentation, but that's stuff. God gives us stuff to do, and we just have to get on with it. You know, he takes care of it. This shirt, my pastor's shirt. You've got the pastor, his wife, and the church. 
And sometimes it's, you're caught up in something, you're in a vehicle, in God's vehicle. And sometimes you just don't have control. What are you doing, God? I'm here with all these people. Ah! That's what it's like. But it's like that in our Christian life as well. You know, Andrew quoted that, when two or three are gathered together, Jesus is there in the midst. But I said Jesus is there in the midst. Because quite often that's what it feels like in our lives. We are in a mist because we're not sure where we're going. We can't see clearly the way forward. We often face situations where we don't know what the outcome is going to be. But Jesus is there with us in that mist, in that confusion. His presence, the Holy Spirit, and they can and will bring clarity to a situation. They'll show us things. You know, man makes his plans, but God orders his steps. We've made loads of plans. And often, God suddenly goes, and you're you're not slightly off course to our plan, but realigned with his plan. He gives us a correction to our course. He turns the wheel that little bit, when we think we're going this way and go, uh-uh. Because God knows what is ahead of all of us. And it says if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, that's tiny. We can say to this mountain, the problem, the situation, the challenge, be gone, be cast into the sea. God can do that. But it might not physically be cast into the sea. But in here, we need to cast these problems into the sea. We need to deal with them because they'll grind you down. They'll wear you. They'll cause you stress. They'll cause you anguish. You know, it says, don't worry about anything. The Bible tells us, you know, be anxious for nothing. Are we really anxious for nothing? Uh Uh-uh. Most of us, oh, no, I've got a bill. Oh, no, this is situations happen. Oh, no, I've got a problem here. And... Our initial thing is in our own strength, whereas we need to take it to to God. We need to take it. Leave it at the foot of the cross, some would tell you. Take it to Jesus. Give your burdens to him. It doesn't mean you are dumping stuff. It means you are addressing the situation. You are saying, God, I can't manage. Dad, you know me. Your heart is for me. This I can't understand, but please, 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 can you help me with this situation? And he will help us with a burden. So you can take it out of your mind. You can put that stress down and leave it with him and just get on with life. You know, okay, sometimes we have to push through. Miracles happen. Miracles can happen. We've seen them. We've seen fantastic healings. We've seen situations turned around. Sometimes it doesn't happen the way we want it to happen. That's God's will. You know, we have to trust that God is our Father, that He has got the hand upon our lives, and He wants us to come through situations. 
You know, he's with us in the midst. He's with us in every situation. He's there to give us the strength. He's there to give us the hope. If we look at his record, all his promises are yes and amen. He's going to bring us through the other side. You know, what needs to change is our mindset. What needs to change is our attitude. You know, sometimes we need to experience the stuff. Sometimes we need to push through because it makes us stronger. Sometimes we need to go through stuff so that we understand the faithfulness of God. But he will bring us through to the other side. He always has done. He always will, will do. You know, we've got to let God deal with the situations. We can't keep jumping in and trying to fix everything. It doesn't happen, especially in Uganda. Gosh, I keep seeing missionaries going out there trying to fix a situation, trying to fix a country, trying to fix a culture. You can't. It's impossible. God can change attitudes. God can change lives. We've got to trust him. You know, we can't go out to Uganda and expect all the Ugandans to suddenly become British because of us. It ain't going to happen. Man, it just ain't going to happen. You can't fix it. What you have to do is love them, embrace them, understand them, show them the love of God, help them practically, materially, but love them and explain to them about Jesus, the truth, the love, the compassion. Explain to him that witchcraft is the way to hell and that turning to Jesus is the way to eternal life and salvation. You know, we look at our situations, and I mean, I'm probably in the happiest place I've ever been in my life. You know, you think, oh, you've been, you're getting old now. I've got lots more to do, lots more challenges, lots more things to experience, lots more things to, to enjoy. You know, and you look at the last few years, you know, we've had house fires, we've had cancer, we've broken ribs, COVID-19, vehicle breakdowns, crashes, you know, plus all the usual daily challenges. Life happens to all of us to certain degrees. But God doesn't give us stuff that we can't handle. What he wants us to do is be dependent upon him, look to him, to focus upon him, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. You see, when you're looking at him, what's happening down here doesn't matter. He lifts you above. And it is. It's, it's dealing with the, the mindset. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It doesn't mean everything's going to be fixed. Oh, your money problems are not all going to disappear. But God helps us with our finances. We've been poor. We've been without. We've had nothing. And now we're probably in the wealthiest place we've ever been. God has provided for all our needs. And he continues to provide for our needs. But I'll tell you something. The more that you have, the more God will demand of you. He will, he will demand more of you because he's lifted you to this level, but he wants you to come higher. He's going to give you more challenges. He's going to give you more opportunities for grace. Oh, really, God? Really? He's going to give you more opportunities for patience. Oh, 
gosh, no, no patience, Lord. I can't do that. I can't do grace. Ah. But he knows. He's our loving father. He knows what we need, not what we want. You know, kids are always running to their parents. I want, I want, I want. My dad always said to me, I want doesn't get. You know, it's true. God's exactly the same. You can't keep going, I want, I want, I want. What do you want for my life? Where do you want me to go? What do you want to do? You know, Lord, give to me and I can bless. No, God says you bless and I can give to you. If you release, then I can lift you up. If you don't release, if you hold things like this, God can't add to it. Okay? If you hold everything in your life like this, whether it's your love, whether it's your time, whether it's your possessions, whether it's your money, God cannot do anything with it. Because have you ever tried adding more to the back of somebody's hand? It just falls off. Like that, where it's free to flow through your fingers, God can put more in and more in and more in and more in. And he does in every aspect of your life. You know, going through situations, continue to pray. Continue asking, but not in anguish, not in desperation, but in faith. Because God doesn't disappoint. You know, as I say, he may not give you what you want, but he knows better. Parents, you know what your children need, not what they want. You know, I want chocolate, I want sweets, I want sodas. Chicken nuggets, whatever it is. <laughs> uh -uh. They want to eat between meals, but they want to eat sweets. It's not good for them. But how, when we get older, are we still in our lifetime asking for the things that are not good for us? We want this, we want that. God just wants to bless us. He wants to lift us up. He gives us what we need. He gives us enough light for the step on which we stand. You know, if you're lucky, he'll give you a vision of the future. He did with us. He gave us a vision to go to Uganda. But he didn't give us the clock. He didn't give us the time scale. He didn't say when. He said go. We have to be obedient and do what he says. We have to position ourselves for him to bless us, for him to do what he wants to do. God positioned us, prepared us to go to Africa. We started in 2001. 2007, we bought the land. 2010, when Sue, was made, uh, Sue finished teaching, I got made redundant. Four kids, mortgage, God says, go and build the house. Really, God, what are you on about? You must be crazy. Yeah, go and build the house. But we've got all this ahead of us. And God says, what have you got? We said, we've got three, three and a half thousand in the bank. God said, use that. Well, that's our safety net. Use that. What? Did we use that? We started building the house. How many people know that houses eat money? It goes, it disappears. But God is faithful. You know, the bank balance never seemed to change. Weird that. That's God. 
we built the house. We started off small because we didn't have the wherewithal to build a big house. In hindsight, it was the right thing to do because if we'd built the house where the house had been designed to be built, we would have had to knock it down because it was too close to the lake and the environmental agency would have come and demolished it. So, wisdom. Amazing, but hindsight is God just knows what is right for us. You know, he's, he's given us everything we need. You know, seven years where we're getting washed. You know, you get a jerry can, you put it out in the sunshine to warm the water, you pour the water into a basin, you get a cup and you put it over yourself, and we showered for the, like that for seven years. What's wrong with that? Camping. Every day, seven years. You know, we've got solar power. Okay, if the sun doesn't shine for four days in the rainy season, it gets a bit edgy, but we manage to keep the lights on. Everything else, you have to forego. Oh, we can just about charge the phone up. <laughs> but we're not desperate for it. You know, God breaks these things in us. God breaks the desire for possessions. You know, and people say, oh, you've given up so much. We haven't given up any, anything. What we have, we've embraced the goodness of God, the goodness of the kingdom, his heart for us. We've walked the path, and he's been beside us. And I can confidently stand before you and say, yes, these are the happiest days of my life because I've got a greater relationship with my God. I've proved him time and time again. And he still doesn't do what I want. <laughs> Sometimes he doesn't listen to me. Well, I don't think he listens to me. He probably hears me and says, calm down a bit, calm down a bit. Come back later when, you, when you've chilled. But that's our God. He's a loving father. You know, we did this Father Heart of God conference last week. Brilliant. We have to know him as daddy. You know, we can boldly approach the throne of grace. I get tired of Christians that they knock on the door, they come to church and do the praise and worship, they get right up to the door, they knock on the door, and they stand there. We need to fully enter into the presence of God. He needs to be part of our lives, and we need to be part of his. You know, we have to step fully into there, climb up on daddy's knee, have this relationship that God loves us, he knows us, he wants to embrace us, to cuddle us, to reassure us. You know, when you're going through stuff, there's no safer place to be than on your dad's lap. You know, it's secure. To feel his arms around you. I know what you're going through. I know the pain you're feeling. I know the anguish. I know the struggle. But my heart is for you. That is the God that we have. His love, his compassion, his faithfulness. I mean, the stuff we've done is stuff, okay? We have 80 sponsored kids, we have built schools, we've put classrooms up, we're working with a clinic. We go around, we do mission work, we travel various churches and countries. That's stuff, that's just things that God's given us to do. You know, we don't go to church on Sunday. We are church 24 seven. There's no escape. You know, God doesn't stop, God never sleeps. You know, and we can't just have holy spots. Okay, Sunday, this is my holy day. Oh, I'm going to a church meeting, now I'm going to switch. But, yeah, 
It's 24-7. It's a way of life. But God is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? He lifts each and every one of us up. He loves you. He called you. He chose you. He set you apart for purpose. For purpose. For purpose. And you've all got a purpose. And that purpose is not over until you're in that wooden box and everybody says bye-bye. So be encouraged. Be encouraged. It's a journey with God. And you can have as much of God as you want. Your choice. He won't force himself upon you. But go for everything that he has for you. He's got boxes of treasures that you have never seen. Don't be the ones that don't see them. Push in. Take hold of them. Receive them. Embrace them. And start living a life that is fulfilled in the love of God. Amen.